0: Welcome to King Henry's AP European History Podcast, and today we are talking about the wars of religion. Wars of religion, you say. Do you mean, well, first of all, I need to apologize. It is late, and I have not yet recorded this podcast, which I promised I would do. So, here I go keeping my promise. When last we left, we saw that the Reformation had occurred, and it seemed like, we had solved religious differences. But, much like problems between siblings, Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, and Mariah Carey, the bad guy seemed to come back. And in this case, the bad guy is going to be religious intolerance. Just because the Catholics had signed the Peace of Augsburg that said, we are going to allow the prince of the area to choose a religion, didn't mean that they'd fully agreed that it was gonna stay that way. We're gonna look first at what happened in France. France was, and is today, a Catholic country. But the Calvinists had become quite popular, especially with many of the wealthier nobles, and those Calvinists in France were known as Huguenots. Now, not surprisingly, the lead Catholics did not like this idea, and realizing that religion can be power in a state, the Catholic leaders, including the king, persecuted and did not allow the the Huguenots to practice their religion. Things were going on alright for a while, but then there were battles back and forth between the Catholics led by the Duke de Guise, the Guise was a prominent Catholic family, and the Calvinists often who were led by a man named Colony and then later a man named Henry of Navarre. Now what's going on with the king of France? It's a good question. Well when the old king passed away he left his wife and young sons suddenly in charge. Now his wife Catherine de Medici could not take over the throne because it was not allowed under French law. What that means is Her young son suddenly became leader of the most powerful country at the time. Now, what kind of problems could this cause? Well, they could easily be replaced if she does not stay within the good graces of the powerful Guises. So what ends up happening is she allies herself with the Duke de Guise. Perhaps the most famous example of religious intolerance and warfare during this time in France came to be known as what was St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. On this day many of the Huguenots were invited to Paris for a wedding and they were subsequently murdered. Now I don't know about your family but in my family that is just bad manners to try and kill somebody at a wedding. Not only that but around the whole countryside of France up to 20,000 Huguenots were murdered on that day, and this is in some way being led by the Guises and Catherine de' Medici. Now, one of the intended targets of this was Henry of Navarre, whose wedding it was. He survived, though, and there then followed a series of wars between the Catholics, as we said, led by the Guises, and the Queen's son, Henry, as well and Henry of Navarre leading the Huguenots. This war is often known as the War of the Three Henrys because, ironically, all three leaders were named Henry. I know, not very original. Now, the leader after all this, the man who comes out on top, is actually Henry of Navarre. Now, you might think, after someone's been really mean to you and you get power, you would want to then punish them. That would make sense. Henry, though does something very interesting he becomes one of our first what we're going to call politiques, which is a leader who decides that the good of the country is worth more than his religion or her religion what he does is rather than punishing the Catholics he converts to Catholicism he becomes Catholic saying in his famous statement Paris is worth a mass Now what this is saying here is, I am willing to change my religion to bring peace to this country and he also signs a famous document known as the Edict of Nantes, which is essentially saying the Calvinists can now practice their religion in certain areas and are allowed to do this openly. Now he doesn't grant full religious freedom for everybody but it's a huge step towards this direction basically once again based along this idea of the Treaty of Augsburg we are seeing this moving towards eventual religious freedom. Now it's important to know that this story doesn't necessarily have a happy ending either as Henry of Navarre is assassinated and about a hundred years later Louis Fourteenth does go and revoke the Edict of Nantes and so gets rid of it. But the point is that it's been made and that once that document has been made france then knows about it and it's pushing france towards eventual religious freedom now this did not end the religious wars overall in europe they still needed to go through and realize that this was not something that was going to go away right people wanted to stay protestant now, the largest of the religious wars, and the, pretty much the final one, was one known as the Thirty Years War. Now, how did this happen? Basically, the head of the Holy Roman Empire and head of Spain at the time wanted to try and get certain of its areas back to being ca- Not surprisingly, much like my students, the Protestant areas resisted this. They don't like being told what to do. Even if it's perfectly reasonable what I'm asking them to do, like do your homework or be nice to Mr. Stewart, they don't want to do that. I don't know why. Anyway, the Protestants are going to fight back. And the big thing to realize is that during these different stages of the Thirty Years' War, each time it's going to be Protestants trying to remain independent and Protestant. Now, it's going to start in an area known as Bohemia which is to think about today the modern-day Czech Republic It will start with one of my favorite events in history which is known as the defenestration of Prague where they literally take the representative of um, the Emperor and throw him out the window he does survive but it's still a great word I'm gonna defenestrate you where does that leave them obviously this is not something that the emperor likes having his people thrown out the window and so he declares war on bohemia now all of the stages it's important to realize until the end one all the stages end with the catholic side sort of having the upper hand and it's only going to be at the end that the protestants end up winning now in the second stage you have the swedish period which once again is going to be the Protestants, in this case led by the most famous Swede we will study, a man named Gustavus Adolphus, who is um, going to lead the army against the Catholic Holy Roman Empire here. Once again, by the end of this stage, Sweden will be losing. Next you have the Danish stage, similar, where you have the Danes, who are Protestant, trying to keep their religion um, against the Catholic Holy Roman Empire. and Spain and that group of countries. Finally though you have the Danish-French period. Now you might say, Mr. Sterrett, you're gone batty. The French, as you said, were Catholic and are Catholic today. That's true and they were Catholic at that time. And Louis the 14th is going to become in an odd way a sort of politique. Because rather than align himself with Spain because they have similar religions as the other countries had been aligned during this war, He instead is going to align himself with the Danes, which is Denmark, and the Protestants, because he sees Spain as more of a threat. And so he's going to go and join up on that side. And this will shift the paradigm to the idea of we are no longer going to just say that the Catholics are my friends if I'm Catholics and the Protestants are my enemies, but it's going to really be saying we are going to do what is best for our country. Now... This um, war ends in a famous treaty known as the Peace of Westphalia. This is important uh, for a number of reasons. One is, it really does signify that Spain is now on the decline and France is on its way up. Secondly, Peace of Westphalia goes and puts into place for pretty much the rest of time this idea of the Treaty of Augsburg that we are going to allow different religions to exist. Now you might think, that's not really a big thing to say, but it is. They finally are going to give up their desire to crush all non-Catholics. And finally, it ushers in this new era of politics and this idea that the ties that bind us together as a country, which will later be known as nationalism, are more powerful than the ties that bind people together as a religion. This has been the podcast on the wars of religion. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm glad I kept my promise. Peace out, and take us out, King Henry.